Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Kitchuk back on him behind the goal. Ottawa buzzing. Kitchuk in tight off the skate. Got him and scores! Brady Kitchuk wins it in overtime for Ottawa. And we're back with another episode of the absent-minded preview of the Atlantic Division. I'm, I was almost saying the Athletic Division again. Uh, it's standard for this time of the year, it seems. But uh, I'm here with Nate from Silver Sevens. Thank you for joining us, me, Nate. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, you know, just thinking back on the last time we did the podcast or the season preview, but because last season was shortened, it's only been, you know, eight months. It just feels like it wasn't that long ago that we did this. We're back. No, it wasn't that long, but obviously there's been some room of improvement for, for the Senators, and we saw that last year. You, you punished Montreal in, in quite a good ways. We've seen it in the preseason as well, and it seems like Montreal is built in some ways to beat Toronto, but you're built to beat Montreal. <laughs> yeah, so actually, I think it was, I don't know if listeners may recall, or maybe they won't, but... When we did the pod last year, one of the things that we were talking about was where do we expect Ottawa to be? And I said that there's a lot of variability. Like I thought they were probably going to be bad, but that they had kids that might be good. And so it was very hard to predict what they would look like. And I think that kind of played out last year in the way that they matched up with some teams, right? They got absolutely run over by the Oilers because the Oilers had uh, and still do have a core of super elite talented guys. And Ottawa just couldn't run with that, especially on the penalty kill. And then versus someone like Montreal, where there isn't that top kind of super elite guy, but it's a more evenly distributed team. Ottawa, as a, like a kind of a young up and coming team, had more of a chance against that kind of a matchup. Um, and so also, I'm actually interested. No, go ahead. And also the fact that Montreal usually plays a defensive style of, of game, whereas at, at versus Ottawa, they had to actually take the lead and they couldn't. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, going to be one of the hallmarks of what the Sens are hoping for from the DJ Smith coach team. Um, the last couple of years, you know, DJ Smith's been the head coach for two. This is his third season. The first two years, the expectations were really low. Like, the team was really bad. They didn't have any of the young kind of players that they drafted that would hope would be making the team good. And now that those teams, uh, the, pardon me, those players are on the team, now there is some expectation. Like, there's some expectation that Ottawa will not be terrible, 
Um, I don't think they need to make the playoffs, but <clears throat> they need to be competitive. And there is an expectation, as you said, they're going to play a certain type of game. Like they're going to be hard to play against. Uh, you know, they're going to be sound defensively and they're going to play like, you know, people would call a structured type of game. Um, and so, you know, I'm really interested to, to see how that plays out because this is the year that it actually matters. Anyone that was evaluating the senators for the last few years, you know, it didn't matter if they won games. It didn't really matter, right? Because they won a draft picks anyways. But now it, it's going to matter. It's a little bit of the trampoline season. Either you fly or you fall. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, looking at it, we, we can start with, with the goalkeepers. Uh, number 31 and 30, if I'm looking at correctly at, yeah. at uh, Elite Prospects here. Good shout out to, to these guys as well. Um, Forsberg and Murray. Yes. Uh, so actually, there's Mur Murray is going to get the majority of the starts unless um, he's god-awful or he's injured. Uh, now, unfortunately, both of those things happened to him a lot the last few seasons. Um, but I expect to start the year, you know, if he's healthy and he's reasonable, Murray's going to play like, you know, 50 to 55 games. That's what the Sens would, would like from him. Um, I think from my perspective, when the Sens traded for Murray, they were expecting the guy that took Pittsburgh to the Stanley Cup. Mm -hmm. And I don't think personally that guy's coming back. Like, I don't, I don't think that's, we're going to see that again. Um, but if he's somewhere in between what that was and what he was the last two seasons, if he's a league average goalie, that should be good enough. That would make a huge difference. One of the, the kind of really, I think, um, kind of understated aspects of why Ottawa was bad last year was like just how horrific their goalkeeping is. Like if you weren't a Sens fan watching them every night or you're not looking kind of at the numbers and kind of in kind of deep manner, you really don't appreciate just like how horrendous their goaltending was. So, you know, if Murray's even halfway decent, that would go a long way. The other thing you mentioned, Forsberg, there's also Philip Gustafson, uh, who, you know, have sense you've probably seen him in a couple of these matchups. I'm not sure that like Forsberg's spot as the backup is 100% guaranteed. Like Gustafson's been good. He's one of their promising young goalies. And the Sens actually have guys that they want to give starts to in the NHL, and that's Sokar, Kevin Andrews. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of goaltending prospects in Ottawa. So I think it's possible that, you know, Anton Forsberg is a security kind of blanket, but that Gustafson might actually be making, you know, some of the starts that Murray can't go. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the pipeline is, is looking very, very interesting, really, and it, it sorts mm -hmm. of... Coincides with that Murray's contract is up, if if they take the right trajectory, right? Yeah, and I I think that was the idea when Ottawa signed that contract. I panned that contract the moment they signed it. It just felt like a a terrible overpay considering his health and play issues, and obviously he was not good last year. But at the very least, I think what you can say is exactly what what you're describing. You know, they've got a lot of young goalies in the pipeline realistically if ottawa wants to kind of you know hit their peak it's probably still a couple years away and then as you say it, it might not even be really it, it might be one of the young guys you also have a a interesting lineup on defense there i don't know where to start really we can start with the most uh, interesting question and that's eric brenstrom 
<laughs> yeah. So I I will be shocked if Brandstrom is in the NHL to start the year. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a Brandstrom fan. I think he's um, a, a good NHL player. Um, clearly, there's a stylistic preference from the coaching staff um, that doesn't include Eric Brandstrom's style of play. Um, DJ Smith is someone who is old school in terms of his views on defensemen. If you ever listen to DJ Smith talk at length about defending, he is always talking about being big, strong, and physical. Like he's he's got characteristics in mind. I'm not saying as good or as bad, but that's just his aesthetic preference. And Branston doesn't fit that. So I'd be shocked if Branston started in the NHL. The other the other factor there, um, because they actually just made cuts this morning down to eight defensemen. Mm-hmm. The other seven are on one-way contracts. Branstrom oh, yeah. is on a two-way contract, and he can be sent to the AHL without being exposed to waivers. So again, at least to start the year, I'd be shocked if he's in the, with the team. That being said, um, you know there are a couple guys that I think the Senators could be potentially looking to move, depending on how the season goes. So. Um, I, I personally was not a big fan of Michael Delzato signing. Like I, I think it's known that he's not a good NHL defender. Um, so I didn't really see the purpose, but he's here. Um, and he's playing with Nikita Zaitsev, who I think is also a known not good NHL defender. Uh, and if the team struggles, and if those two struggle, uh, I think Ottawa could be keen to move them. And part of the reason that they'll be especially keen to move Nikita Zaitsev I guess an under-discussed fact, in my opinion, is Zaitsev is old signing bonus in the next couple oh, yeah. of years. And the Ottawa Senators hate paying signing bonuses. <laughs> Nothing they hate more than paying a signing bonus. So I, I really would not be surprised if, if both of those guys could potentially be on the move. I think from Ottawa's perspective, uh, Thomas Chabot and Artem Zub are going to be their top two guys. And those guys, I, I, I think, will be here and I think will be good. So wouldn't be surprised if they stick around. Uh, and then Jake Sanderson is going to come up from UND after this season's over, I would say with like 95% certainty. And they're going to pencil him into the lineup right away. Uh, and then uh, on the right side, you know, Jacob Bernard Dockers or Lassie Thompson are going to be the guys that are on the right side. So you're just really talking about a couple spots. And I, I think that... Delzato and Zaitsev are not going to belong to this team. It might be hard to get rid of Zaitsev, but as I said, the fact that they have to pay him a signing bonus to me puts him on the block right away. You you, you eat a bit of salary, but you don't have to pay the signing bonus. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Um, obviously, with Canadian success, as you mentioned, with the style of, of DJ Smith, um, has it been pushed even further due to the Canadian success in these playoffs with big, strong guys, um, more or less not playing the puck even, just playing the, 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 the players and not participating that much in the offense. Has that had an yeah, impact so on the Senators? It's, it's funny you say that because the Sens actually have been going down this road for a couple of years. Um, you know, Sens fans will, will tell you at length about the drafting philosophy of the team, but for those who are not familiar... The last few years, um, basically since, um, you know, Dorian's kind of been the full-time GM and since Mann has been uh, the uh, head of amateur scouting, um, 
the sense of really emphasize what they would describe as safe picks, guys who are likely to make the NHL in some capacity, big guys, almost always big guys, um, with a couple of exceptions, but mostly big guys uh, who, you know, are, are physical in these kinds of things. And if you look at their first round pick from this past season, Tyler Boucher is like the perfect example of that, right? He is a guy, he's a huge guy. He doesn't have a ton of skill, especially for a first round pick but he's a huge physical bruiser and, you know, he's got the like physical specifications to play in the NHL. So he's going to be in the NHL at some point, you know, maybe you'd like to get more out of someone that you drafted that high, but that's how the Sens have already kind of been trending. And it's keeping in line with, with how DJ Smith coaches, right? Like he is that kind of coach. So, you know, you're saying, are they kind of being influenced by the Habs? I'm sure that made them feel better about their choices. But they were already going down that road. Like this particular style was already how Ottawa was trying to build it. Last time we spoke uh, in person, at least we chatted a bit on on on, uh, on, on Twitter DMs. But um, there was a big talk about the uh, team Umulet or not, and and obviously we we're both fans of, of Tim Stutzley even before. But but we were super happy to see that he got the Umulets at the end of, right. of that discussion. Um, How was his season last year? That's a really good question. I think that his season kind of happened um, in two parts. And I don't mean in two halves. I mean in what he contributed offensively versus what he did defensively. So Stuzla was almost everything that we'd hoped for from an offensive perspective. He's still 18. He still occasionally looked overwhelmed physically. But... The puck skills, the vision, the skating, the things that, you know, we were, as Sense fans, excited for from a high pick, they were there, uh, especially when he had the time and space on the power play. Um, you know, if you if you were watching his highlights from last season, one of the things you noticed, some of the slickest plays he made was when he had that little bit of extra time and space. Um, on the defensive side of the puck, though, a bit of a struggle, <laughs> a, bit of a bit of a hard time. Um, especially breaking the puck out in their own end when it wasn't a clean pass. Like the puck would, when it, when the defenseman had to rim it around the boards and Stusla had to pick it out of his skates. Um, I know he played a lot of center, so he's not, first of all, probably not a skill that he's as practiced with, but also he got snuffed out a lot. Like a lot of defensemen were able to pinch down on him and effectively eliminate the breakout. And then he kind of wasn't always great at, at covering defensively. My personal take is that that's stuff that you can learn and that that's stuff that you can get better at. And the high-end skill stuff that he showed, you can't teach that. You know, that's if, by the time you're in the NHL, you have it. In. So um, I'm I'm very excited for Susla. I think he, he's projecting how we had hoped when when they drafted him. Um, but at the time, there were some questions about you know what's how's it going to translate to the NHL, and and those questions are still there. To some degree. So you mentioned obviously the the time on the power play, etc. And it might also be that fact that on European ice you have that extra second already because of the wider ice and, and it is an adjustment period. And I'm a big fan of Tim. I'll I'll be honest to say that. And uh and I was a little bit surprised though that he didn't go to the AHL. 
as he was bought out of the contract and or, or they terminated the contract Mannheim. So you could have sent him to the AHL because otherwise you would have had to send him to, to Germany. But but with this kind of setup where, where Mannheim actually terminated his contract, he was contractless and could have been sent to the AHL. And I was surprised he didn't get that chance. Uh, I think that I think that's two things. One is that the Sens left wing position was dire after Kachuk. There really was not a lot going on there. Um, so that you know, on a better on a better team, I think Stuzo might have started in the NHL. But Ottawa was it was it was hard to say no. It's hard to say no to a kid who clearly is is one of your best players, right? And and especially after the World Juniors, he had. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing was, you know, last year, especially at the start of the year, because of everything that was going on with COVID and all the restrictions, the AHL wasn't the typical AHL experience. If it had been like a real season uh, and, you know, 20 games in, Stuzla was having some of these struggles, I, I maybe he would have been in the AHL. But I, I think given the circumstances, it, I wasn't totally surprised. We got to mention uh, to Chuck what's going on. That's a very good question. <laughs> it depends on who you ask on which day. The, and how much we ask for, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, the thing that I think is, is interesting here is that almost everybody, save one party, and I won't kind of bore you with the, the details of sense media nonsense, but almost everybody who's reliable on sense seems to be in agreement that there's very little space between Sens and Kachuk on the dollar value of the contract. Basically, everyone seems to agree that there is an offer in the neighborhood of $8 million a year for the next eight years. Could be a little bit lower, could be a little bit higher, but close to that. And everyone seems to agree that the Kachuk camp at least think that's reasonable, right? Like that's, that's, uh, that's something that they can build off of. But where the disagreement is seems to be from the structure of the contract. And the problem that as a, as a fan that we have right now, and I think what makes it so frustrating is structure can mean a lot of things. It could mean signing bonuses, which as we've discussed is, you know, and pay much to the, to the sends. But then even within signing bonuses, like, you know, does Kachuk want $20 million in signing bonuses or does he want $3 million in signing? And, you know, if it's 20, then yeah, okay, I can see the sense kind of maybe putting that foot down a little bit here. But if it's three, let's say, and, you know, Melnick's position is we never pay signing bonuses, then we've got a problem, right? And so, you know, the scale of how far apart they are on structure is important. The other thing that I think is perhaps at play here is um, the backloading of contracts. So obviously there's some considerations with that. Espro is working right now, but the Sens also, you know, under Eugene Melnick ownership, have a long history of backloading their contracts in a big way, um, and then trading the guy before they pay the back money. Mm. That's what happened with Dadanov. Um, you know, they paid, they paid Dadanov the the low actual salary up front, and then when it came time to pay him the real dollars, see you later. Um, so, you know, are the Sens trying to put you know twenty million dollars in the last two years of Kachuk's deal? Maybe. Uh, but we we don't know that. So. Is the tr- is the structure also a no trade clause? Because that yeah. would be smart from uh, from <laughs> Tachak with with recent history in mind. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> no, actually, that absolutely. Now, now the way the way that stuff works is it would really only come into effect when it's a UFA, right? So yeah. you know he's got the sentence. Even if that's the thing that he's holding out on, that's you know four years away, right? So if I again, if I was if I was the sense, hopefully to me that would be a big sticking point. But you're right. That's all all to say that structure means a lot of things. There could be a lot of possible roadblocks there. How would this team be without him? Pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, oh, that was honest. <laughs> yeah. Would you yeah, care to collaborate, sir? I mean, my feeling about the sense is is pretty similar to what it was last year, right? That um, you know, there's a lot of variability. Uh, some of the kids are looking more and more promising. One of the big wild cards for Ottawa this year is Shane Pinto. So Shane Pinto, you know, came up at the end of last year, played a few games, 12 games, I think, um, looked pretty good. And he's looked pretty good so far in camp. Um, but, you know, are you going to give a 21-year-old the second-line center role? And, you know, can a 21-year-old hold the second-line center role? So there's a lot of variability there. Um, I think that they're probably improved from last year, but the competition they're playing is much improved. Like, I, to me, the North Division was very weak last year um well the, the one of the teams went to the final right <laughs> i know it's a controversial <laughs> thing to say on a half, on a half podcast uh, I, I, hey, I agree it was weak though i, think I, it was, I agree with compared to the i guess it's also saying the atlantic is going to be a beast this year um there's just no way i can see the campa toronto boston florida are good to very good teams, all four of them. Um, and then, you know, you've got Montreal, you've got, um, you know, other teams besides, you know, the, the dregs of the league that Ottawa have to deal with. And they could be even meaningfully better compared to last year and still have a worse record just because of that. Yeah, you, you, let's let's go directly down that road. But when you look at, at the, the North Division versus the Atlantic, uh, obviously, you have Toronto and Tampa, and and well, we don't really know what's going to happen with Toronto because they can implode as well. Yeah, but we, we, very we, we 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 know Tampa will definitely be up there. We saw Florida take a huge step last year. Um, mm -hmm. Boston is Boston, um, and and even if there is some sort of of, of um, unknown things in 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 that corner as well, and obviously. Uh, Montreal losing what we at least at least expect is losing Shea Weber. Um, yeah. it's it's gonna be huge. So so there is the, the, there is a, a, a tire of teams, but in order to to look at a successful season for the Sens, what would you expect? And and for, for a non-successful season for the Sens, what would that be? Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good question. As I said earlier, I don't think making the playoffs is is necessary for it to be a successful season. Um, you know, for the reason we just described, I think there are, you know, four teams that are clearly better than Ottawa, the teams we just named. And then, you know, to make the playoffs, that means that they would then have to be the next best team. And so they'd have to be better than Montreal. They'd have to be, um, you know, I think being better than the Sabres and the Red Wings is a goal that they can achieve. But, um, you know, it means they need to be better than Montreal and they need to better than whoever's in the metropolitan, which is not a given. So, you know, if Ottawa um, is playing meaningful hockey, and by meaningful, I mean, you know, are 
four to six points out of the playoffs with, you know, 10 games to go, I, I think that would be, that would be a big improvement. The other thing that would be really good for them is if some of those kids that we've been talking about, like if Shane Pinto, if Ken Stuzla, um, you know, if, if Drake Batherson, Josh Norris, if they have good seasons and, you know, Ottawa misses the playoffs, but they get like the 15th overall pick or something, all the kids get a year older, Kachuk is signed, um, you know, that would be a successful season. And it's a deep draft as well this year. So, you know, even if you end up picking eight, it's going to be a reasonable. Um, oh, it'd, be, it'd be great. Yeah. I, 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 the only, my main fear, and this is the fear you always have as a sense fan, is that, um, you know, Melnick is very, very interested in making the playoffs on the cheap. That would be, in some ways, I mean, I, I think he wants to win. Like, I, I don't think he's totally divorced from winning. But I think for him, if the Sens were able to do what they're doing now, which is be the salary cap floor and effectively be below the salary cap floor of real dollars, but, you know, have some home playoff dates, I think that would almost be like a dream season for him. And so... It would be Christmas come early. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so my fear as a Sens fan is that if they're competitive, they do something rash to try to make that happen. Because, you know, we've seen them make poor trades at the deadline before in the pursuit of, you know, juicing a game or two in the playoffs. And I think it would be, I would, I would feel a lot better about it if they resisted that temptation. Even if the team's competitive coming down the stretch, um, sticking to the core that they have and or, you know, trading for players that would be the team long-term, that would be, to me, a, a really optimal outcome. Um, and so as a sense fan, actually, it's kind of nice to be in a position where it's like, I want the team to win. They're improving. I still don't have super high expectations. Um, but if they totally fall on their face again, like if they're, if they're one of the worst teams in the league again, that would be really disappointing. That would, and that would be, you know, it's been five years since, you know, they were in the playoffs. So, you know, at some point you need to start at least making moves towards being there. So, yeah, if they fall down on their face again, that would be really So if they're worse than Ottawa and Red Wings, then it's a catastrophe. And otherwise, you know, they're good. Yeah, exactly. well, yeah kind of. <laughs> if, they finish, if they finish ahead of the Sabres and the Wings and they're competitive with the Habs, and, you know, they're in, they're in a situation where it's, it's funny. I mean, I'm sure you've cheered for really bad teams before. There's a difference between watching really bad hockey and watching like competitive hockey where the team's just a bit worse. And if they need to make that transition, they need to go from, you know, we're, we're the underdogs in every game. And if we win, it was probably a minor miracle to, you know, we're competitive in every game. Maybe we don't win them, but we're competitive. And that's, that's, that's what they need to do. We've been listening to Nate from Silver Sevens. Uh, you can follow him on uh, NKB1021 on Twitter. Um, look up Silver Sense. They're doing some really good coverage, uh, especially when it comes to arena work and, and uh, uh, cap floor dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the exciting stuff about being a hockey player. Yeah, well, give it a couple of years and you'll be doing more exciting stuff. I'm sure of it. There is a prospect pool that looks very, very interesting. You mentioned quite a few of them. Is there anyone else you want to maybe highlight for, for us that are not following the sense as close as you do? Sure. So 
Um, I think uh, Robi Arvente, uh, or Robbie Arvente, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, um, the young sweet, uh, Finnish guy that they, they took last year um, is going to be in the AHL this year. Um, and he is um, the type of kind of skilled shooter that the team needs very badly and they haven't had in a long time. Uh, so if you're looking for a bit of a dark horse kind of pick for someone who might be impactful down the road, uh, he's one of them. And then obviously um, the uh, last year's, one of last year's first round picks, the, the one who's a little bit more forgotten, Ridley Greek, um, you know, has shown a lot. Uh, I was um, a little bit skeptical about that pick, um, but he's been, he's looked good. And even in the preseason games, he's been in a couple against the Abs now. He's, he's doing some good things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's an NHL player in a couple of weeks' time. So, so the main question here is if Yadavente uh, will get the Umelas or not. Yes, I hope <laughs> he does. We, as we talked about last time, I am all Umelas accents, like, you know, the little thing that the Czechs do. With yeah, the, yeah. I don't know what that is called. but We just call it the roof and stuff like yeah, that. The roof. <laughs> <laughs> no, get that on the jerseys. I'm all for it. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope so. It, I... I don't know if we talked about buying jerseys, but um, Stuzla might be, if, if things turn out in Ottawa, it, it, it might be a jersey purchase. So, uh, yeah, well, you, you, you can always get away with buying the German jersey if you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. I'm sure Mannheim might have a few on, uh, on yeah, sale as well. Yeah. So, yeah, as you hear, uh, Nate, great guy. Make sure Thank to you. follow them on 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 uh, Sense, uh, Silver Sense on Twitter and Nate on Twitter. Read their their different uh, stories. It will be an interesting season for the Sense, and uh, we're looking forward to maybe a hookup for another podcast during the season. Absolutely, happy to come on anytime. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.